Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. DC Comics announced that the new Superman character will come out as bisexual. Come on, it's 2021. The crazy part is that there are still Superman comics. You see, kids, he's a reporter at a newspaper. He's a what at a what? He changes in a telephone booth. What are you talking about? What are these things? Wow, good that, point. That is a very decent point. He's a what and a what? What are you talking about? <laughs> a phone booth? Yeah, at the same time, putting aside the accoutrement, the whole idea of some sort of superhero is bigger than ever. Yeah. I mean, it's like the only kind of movie you're allowed to watch anymore. Correct. Yeah. Make movies for adults. Not that I'll go see them. I'll stay at home. Uh, and they're on Netflix anyway, I suppose. The big news of the day, inflation jumped again making it less likely that it's just some sort of weird little blip because of COVID, and it might be for real. Uh, William Shatner's about to blast into space uh, in 20 seconds. Is that 24 minutes or 24 seconds? That's 24 minutes. Okay. Why don't you minutes. wait 25 seconds? You'll know for sure. <laughs> we got 24 minutes. So, yeah. I was going to bring it to you live, but there's no need. Coincidentally, uh, about the length of... No, I guess uh, Star Trek was uh, an hour feature, so it probably had 42 minutes of content. I love Trek so much. Loved it so much. Anyway, talked yesterday about uh, Ezra Klein interviewing David Shore. If you don't know his name, you shouldn't. It's He's a Democratic pollster. He's a young math whiz. And his specialty is telling the Democratic Party what it doesn't want. And, you know, I'm not going to reset the whole story, uh, partly because... Ah, Freddie DeBoer does a pretty good job of doing it. Tim Sandifer sent us this piece, and I thought it was so terrific. I want to share part of it with you. Ezra Klein interviews David Shore about his recent rise in visibility, his particular take on democratic policy and messaging and debate over popularism. It also glancingly mentions Shore's cancellation. He got fired from his job for expressing limited for expressing limited and polite skepticism about the political outcomes of post-George Floyd riots. In essence, he said, riots hurt Democrats, particularly in suburban counties. Peaceful protesting helps Democrats. Just keep it in mind. That's all he said. He was retweeting an academic paper, and for that he got fired. Unbelievable. And Klein references this controversy as he must, but it's kept separate as a piece of flavoring for the larger argument, rather than central to the discussion that follows. But I find Klein's disposing of that story so quickly to be quite odd, as it seems totally germane to the topic of who will determine the future of the Democratic Party. What could be more relevant to the conversation than pointing out that one slice of that conversation feels perfectly comfortable attempting to utterly destroy their opponents? And everyone else is too scared to condemn them for it. His title, by the way, is that one side would like to utterly destroy the other side seems significant to me. If you're unaware, Shore was canceled for accurately summarizing the contents of an academic paper, which I just explained. This would not seem to be particularly inflammatory. People indiscriminately burning and smashing S has little obvious utility for the marginalized or anyone else. For sh- But Shore lost his job for tweeting that paper and agreeing with its thesis. Uh, similarly, the intercepts, Lee Fong so was he, absolutely uh, mobbed. I, I, yeah? I should get over it. But So was he supposed to... So You know, in the past, it has hurt people politically to burn down random buildings. 
but I'm all for it. Is that what he was supposed to say? I don't know. What's interesting is he just retweeted the the stunt right. and didn't make a strong statement wow. at all. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. Similar, similarly, the Intercept's Lee Fang was absolutely mobbed for the crime of recording an interview with a young black man who was critical of the riots and the protest movement from which they sprang. He almost lost his job as well for doing that interview. Here's a fun tip for all. If you have the power to get someone fired or otherwise ruin their life, you are not a powerless, marginalized other. Hmm. That's a good point. As you know, we and others have, have uh, pointed out, you got both houses of Congress and the White House, the media, the schools, and the university, and you're the resistance. Okay. Not that they had rebutted a particularly coherent pro-riot argument. There was little in the way of defense of riots in 2020 at all. Many attempted to invoke Martin Luther King in that regard, which is hilarious and bizarre concerning a man who, among other critiques of riots, said they, quote, are not revolutionary but reactionary because they invite defeat. They offer an emotional catharsis, but they must be followed by a sense of futility. Um, that was close to its end, but he says in their defense, almost no one who invokes MLK has actually read him. But what Shore and Fang were guilty of was not breaking with some intellectual mandate within liberalism, but with speaking out of turn with criticizing the wrong people. The difference between Shore and Fang's criticism of the pro-riot side and the behavior of those who rose against them is that Shore and Fang never tried to destroy anyone. They didn't tweet at anyone's boss in an attempt to get them fired. They didn't have the inclination or the power to punish those who dared disagree with them. But those who targeted them were operating in a bizarre liberal discursive culture where if you dress Dress up what you're doing in vague language about oppression. You can operate however you'd like without rebuke and attempt to ruin the life of whoever you please. And so I returned as reclines consideration of who will determine democratic messaging and moving forward. And I ask, how can you have a discussion about discourse and messaging, Ezra, while studiously ignoring the powerful fear of imminent social and professional destruction that you and most others in your profession live under? And he goes on for another couple thousand words, which I will attempt to summarize and and distill down for you at some point. It is remarkable, isn't it? How few voices on the left are saying these people are maniacs and they're dangerous. Yeah, it's because they're afraid of them. Well, they're afraid of losing their jobs, maybe physically afraid of them. And they might be vaguely in agreement with them. You know, it reminds me of uh, stuff I learned in in. uh, Sunday school, Bible school, about the various factions back in uh, Roman-held Israel back in the day and how it was a challenge to figure out, for instance, do you align with the moderates or the zealots uh, who are who are intent on violent overthrow of the Roman government? And those that wanted Rome to be kind of out, you know, somehow or other, I, I don't think attacking Rome's a good idea because they're so mighty, but they, they didn't want to squelch the zealots either because they were useful. They made the other side cower in fear as well. So, but you know, and we've said this a thousand times in the context of uh, Ted Weasel in Portland, for instance, or or the, the Seattle, which is committing suicide. If you don't rein in the dangerous maniacs on your side, it's going to be terrible for you, and you're going to get it on the other side as well. Well, nobody wants to hear that, I guess, or doesn't know what to do about it. One of the most hilarious headlines of the day that has to do with our border and immigration. Uh, we'll get to that next. Maybe we'll break on time for the first time in a long time. They're about to blast William Shatner into space for some reason. Who's who's behind this? Is this a Bezos thing? Is Bezos putting... Shatner? 
Yes, I, I believe it is a Blue Horizon craft. It's uh, the Bezos team. Team okay. Bezos. Okay. The battling billionaires in space. Now you got to send a bigger celebrity into space. Then it's and then Schwarzenegger. Then it's The Rock. Then Oprah gets shot into space. Oh, yeah? I'm going to send Tom Hanks into space. Oh, yeah? Look at this. Justin Bieber. Clear up into space. <laughs> While singing and doing a show from orbit. <laughs> uh, all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The retail pharmacy giant Walgreens is set to close five stores in San Francisco due to rampant shoplifting and organized retail crime. It's um, insane. Like, Eddie, well, it also makes me feel bad that things are so bad for people that they have that this is happening. It's incredibly no, sad. No, it's not incredibly sad. They're criminals. Yes, it is. No, no, no. This has been happening for some time, but we also want to be open and 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 charitable and mindful that folk are out here hurting even as 90 year old men are flying into space all right oh at <laughs> least at least morning jose for all his sins attempted to inject a little bit of common sense to his twit wife is it oh my god uh is it walgreens or cvs walgreens closing five more stores having closed 17 in the last few years because they get robbed all the time and there's no penalty for robbing the stores and that's why people go in there and just wipe the store shelves clean and then some morons think yeah the thing is you just got to feel bad with the economy that people are forced to do that sort of thing are you freaking kidding me and then the mayor, London Breed, says, Your mother, your grandmother, your relatives depend on places like Walgreens. Please stop stealing. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. Good plan. Good policy. The please stop policy of crime fighting. Um, probably fits in with this poll that's out where more than half of San Francisco Bay Area residents plan to leave for good. Has that ever happened in the history of mankind? Other than, other than just outside of, like... Mount Vesuvius. Exactly. Pompeii had about a 50% evacuation rate while the uh, uh, volcano was going off. I've never been anywhere where, you know, hardly anybody wants to leave where they live. It's just, it's, not, it's not a normal thing to do, but over half of the people in the San Francisco Bay Area want to leave for good. And this is this is why. You can't go and buy toilet paper and razors because all the thieves stole them and you got freaking moron saying well the real crime here is that the people are so desperate they're criminals they're criminals and now we're shooting 90 year olds into space what's that got to do with it speaking of which we'll have the uh we'll have that for you uh bottom of the hour here in about 10 minutes when they shoot james t kirk into space what's truly astounding to me though is i'll bet if you could poll all those bay area residents who are so unhappy with where they live they would not connect their unhappiness and what they see around them to government policy. They would accept it as inevitable, or they just don't think about it. They find it so inconceivable uh, to vote for anything other than Democrat. They just can't comprehend, you know, causes and effects. Yeah, you're probably right. A lot of people cite uh, the cost of living, homelessness, and that sort of stuff. But I'll, I'll bet you're right. They don't think there are any policies that led to the homelessness. It's just, just a fact of life. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah, just high rents. Well, what do you think they're doing about it where you're about to move where they don't have as many homeless? you think that's just an accident? Anywho, another story that uh, I can't believe they're reporting on. 
And <clears throat> so I've heard this story several times today. The Biden administration with a major uh, announcement. They're going to ease COVID-19 travel restrictions at the Canadian and Mexican border. So now people from Canada and Mexico can travel <laughs> into the country for the first time. This is what they actually said same Rika Brzezinski, but I've heard it a couple of different places, heard it on NPR. Now people can travel into the United States from Canada and Mexico for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, are you really going to do that story and not mention the hundreds of thousands of people that have come into this country in the last couple of weeks? Almost all of them not checked for their COVID status. You're Aye. really not going to mention that. That's kind of crazy. It's got to be a million in the last year, right? That's kind of crazy to do that headline, act like it's a big deal. For the first time in a year and a half, people will be able to travel into this country from Mexico. Oh, will they? Wow. Wow. That's surprising. Says 100,000 Haitians now living in this country. (laughs) Right. Some of them with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That is incredible. Well, uh, they're in the business of, of stroking their ideological brethren. They will bring them nothing that challenges uh, that point of view, including what is plainly, almost ridiculously obvious. That story is unintentionally hilarious. For the first time, this is from the Wall Street Journal. For the first time in 20 months, travelers from Canada and Mexico will be permitted to enter the U.S. at its land border crossings for purposes such as shopping or visiting family and friends, so long as they're fully vaccinated. Ah, all right. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Well, of course, the Wall Street Journal is open to borders because it's big business and they want the cheap labor. Oh, good. So as long as people are fully vaccinated, and of course, we're checking for that, uh, people can come into this country to shop or visit family. That's just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it makes me laugh. It's like it's a comedy routine. I know. It's just beautiful. What were those numbers that Border Patrol guy had last week? 700,000 people? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. I don't it's have just in insane numbers. And, of course, none of them being checked for COVID. It's six figures every month, I'll tell you that. All right. People apprehended in that many getting in, and of those quote-unquote apprehended, most of those are now turned loose into the country. We are not a serious country. No, we are not. No, we're a childish, idiotic, reality-ignoring country, to a large extent. Do you want the reasons that over half of people are, are planning on permanently leaving the Bay Area? And again, I don't know if this has ever happened anywhere in the world. I, I don't think it's happening anywhere else in the United States. Um, I'm guessing it's expense, traffic, crime, bombs and junkies. I know I mentioned this story to my brother. Um, he lives in the middle of uh, Kansas, and he said, there's not one person in this county that wants to leave. <laughs> and I'm sure that's true. About 56% of the residents of the San Francisco Bay Area want to leave. That's astounding. It is astounding. Cost of housing, 92% of people said the cost of housing was on the list, mm-hmm. followed by cost of living, very similar. Homelessness, well then, get different people that have different policies. Bums and junkies. Wildfires, drought, water access, health care, political division, traffic, and then finally climate change. Uh, they were climate present- change. They Where were- are you going to go? Antarctica? Well, what they're are you pres- talking about. They're presented with a list and check off. You know, if any more than one reason that you apply. So, you know, being good San Francisco Bay Area people, you're going to check climate change and various things like that. But the real reason is it's a crazy expensive, and the and the um, lifestyle is awful. So you're paying all this money 
to be uh, to have your car broken into to you don't have a Walgreens anymore because it got closed down and there you have to step over bums and poo in the street. That's the real reason. You can right. you can check this box for climate change, but that ain't why you're moving. No, and there are some of those things that are beyond uh, policy. I mean, it's going to be crowded just because it's a huge metro area. On the other hand, almost everything else absolutely is the result of of bad or insufficient policy. But what are you going to do? Speaking of bad and insufficient, uh, coming up later in the hour, if we can squeeze it in, if not, uh, hour three, the shortages of everything from tractor tires to teenage girls to run the Coke machine at your restaurant. What is going on? Okay. There is a shortage of virtually every component in the economy, and some of it has nothing to do with COVID. These are odd, odd times economically. So William Shatner, James T. Kirk of the TV show Star Trek and Boston Law and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he's on the Boston spaceship. Legal. Boston Legal. Boston Legal. Yeah. Well, I never watched it. But anyway, the, they're on the spaceship, and they've delayed it again. Uh, so no! they're pushing back the liftoff for 50 minutes. I'm telling you. They didn't get a good look at him, and they don't have enough boosters on the ship. They, they can't get it off the ground. I think it's just grunting on the ground. Wow, that's just, that's not nice. That's unfair. He's slimmed down a fair amount. I'm kind of worried about a 90-year-old experiencing all those Gs. Yeah, so it's backed up again. Anyway, if you miss an hour, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Take me home. I didn't even want to go to Cali. I didn't even want to go to Cali. I will find your name, date of birth, and address. I will know your social security number before I get off this plane. On my daughter. On that same baby that you see me on the phone with. What's the law going to do? Go mind your business. Mind your business. Because I will break your neck. Let's go to jail. Okay. What was that? That's a surly passenger aboard a United Airlines flight. It's not Jack, by the way, despite his animosity toward that fine air carrier. That was uh, some guy in a fracas aboard, uh, aboard a flight. I don't he, know what he his sounded was. familiar. Liz Lemon, I need some iced tea. I was going to say, he sounds exactly like Tracy Morgan. <laughs> they had asked him to put on a mask and also to get off his phone, and that was his response. Okay. All right. All right. You know, funny we should uh, play that. Uh, just I'm Brian a- Fellows. <laughs> just came across this headline from Axios. <laughs> Unruly customers threaten economic recovery. I thought, wow, that's putting it pretty strongly. The pace of economic recovery hinges in part on workers returning to jobs that involve dealing with an unpredictable public. But many of those workers say increasingly combative customers, angry about everything from long wait times to mask mandates, have prompted them to quit. Hence all the signs you see. I just saw one the other day at Arby's where I got a delicious beef sandwich. This segment brought to you by Arby's. They ought to sponsor the show. We're both big fans. That's true. They don't. Arby's is my favorite. So what was that guy screaming? Because they made him want to wear a mask? Yeah, wear a mask and uh, please get off your phone. We're we're about to take off. I don't know. I just think he's a crazy person, honestly. Unhinged. That kangaroo is looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was Tracy... (laughs) <laughs> Tracy Morgan. 
So aggressive and violent clashes between customers and service workers over COVID safety protocols over the past two years have led to uh, crimes and prison sentences and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but businesses have shut down. They've cut their hours. They can't get employees. Some industries have provided self-defense classes banded together on public awareness campaigns. Uh, workers in restaurants, bars, hotels, and retail businesses quit at a higher rate in August than the national uh, rate, which is actually quite high. And the number of retail workers is still 200,000 short of February 2020 levels. Hey, Alex in the newsroom, are you... uh... Yeah, I'm here. What's so, going on? So you uh, you work at a restaurant now and then. It's uh, are, are people surly and are people who work at the restaurant getting tired of being uh, treated that way? I would agree with that statement for both statements, rather. Yes, I think uh, most there's a, a general malaise amongst the wait staff now. Just yes, we're out of straws. Yes, we're we're out of this. I'm sorry, you know, and just tired of being, yeah. you know talked down to for doing our job yeah i bet it's gotta be tough because you're the ones showing up you know and it's the same with the airlines and everywhere else you're the ones actually showing up and working it's impossible to keep up because you're understaffed everywhere it just yeah that's it. to that point restaurants and bars are a million jobs short of pre-pandemic levels a million wow with two-thirds of restaurant workers saying customer behavior is a factor in the industry's labor shortage well, you are the point person for a business that is not reaching uh, your customers' expectations, partly because you can't. You don't have humans. Um, so anyway, they go into a bunch of different industries that are really suffering and how it's halting or it's slowing the economic recovery. Then in related news, uh, here's a, a Reuters piece, how farmers across the Midwest and presumably other places are desperate for parts. They're desperate for machinery. They're buying another combine just because they're going to need the parts. Uh, they're if they sell if they're buying it, or rather a used uh, piece of machinery, they say send me close-ups of the tires because if those tires go, I can't replace them. They're changing the ways they they transport things, uh, pieces of equipment from one field to another. Uh, evidently, it's just brutal. It's a crisis, and then you have this. The pandemic-induced shortage of EMTs and paramedics nationwide is so dire that ambulance providers uh, warn of sharp cuts to services or longer wait for 911 calls, even when it's a matter of life and death. You know, I'd have to sit around and rub my chin for a long time to figure out, wait a minute, so 16-year-old girls pouring Cokes, tractor tires, waiters, bus boys, EMTs and paramedics... The, the chips they need for their communications equipment, it's all screwed up. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to yeah to connect all those, how those all could, why all those would be happening at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and there are different factors like, in the different industries with some commonalities, too, I'll bet. But how do you explain the EMTs? You know, it's interesting. I was reading about this, and it's become extremely difficult to hire and even harder to retain EMTs. It, it's kind of a snowball effect because they're understaffed. A lot of people quit during the COVID or didn't want to work or sat home getting government benefits. Um, they're fragile. They're, they're stretched thin. They're paying like huge overtime, but everybody's so frazzled that they're quitting. And so you hire somebody on and you say, all right, congratulations. You got your certificate. You got this new job and uh, we need you to work 70 hours this week. And. Ah, da, da, da. In 2020, nearly a third of the workforce left their ambulance company after less than a year. Nearly a third. 11% left after the, within the first three months. 
Well, I've it, been pretty frazzled at number of jobs in my life, but quitting wasn't an option. I, how do you end up in a situation where quitting is an option? I just think people get burned out. If you're an EMS or a paramedic, uh, drop us an email. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. What's your gig like? Why is the turnover so crazy? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or if you'd rather text, go ahead, 415-295-KFTC. Among full-time EMTs, 47% reported in 2020 that the reason for leaving was for a career occupation change. Mm. 47% of those who, who left changed careers. Number is 45% among paramedics. Yikes. I hope I never need an ambulance. It's expensive, too. That's the untold story. You call 911, they send some private ambulance company, you get a bill for $30,000. Ah! I know it. I survived the first heart attack. I got your bill. The second one killed me. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. Huh. They actually say the whole hours and stress and shorthanded thing is like a death spiral that they're going to have trouble pulling out of EMTs, paramedics, and that sort of thing. Well, it sounds like... A, uh, I, oh, how long will it take to get back to normal on all this stuff? Years? I'm already... I, I'm astounded by how long it's lasted. So, yeah, well, absolutely years, depending on what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the chip shortage... Or, or to what extent is the chip shortage like the 16-year-old girl pouring Coke shortage? You know, what do they have in common? How are they interrelated? How about the tractor tire? The tractor tires, I can figure out. They're stuck on a, a container ship waiting to dock at the Port of Los Angeles. Um, and, and in a few weeks, if they can find the truckers to transport them, they'll have them in the stores. That I get. But then the labor shortages and the angry customers contributing to the labor shortages. How, how does that shake out? I don't know. Let the free market work. So uh, they're going to shoot William Shatner into space. Finally. Finally. (laughs) I think this hour, and if it happens, we'll bring it to you live. Keep delaying, huh? Is it weather? It says seven minutes, guys. Does he keep blowing his lines? So if we take a break, we can get it live? Okay, cool. We'll take a break, and then we'll shoot an ancient television star into space for some reason. Because that's (laughs) a thing, I guess. Because this is America, that's why. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yes, boldly go where no man has gone before. That very voice, William Shatner, is going to launch into space in about 25 seconds. I was surprised how high his voice sounded. Space, that final frontier. He's nine years old. He'll be the oldest person ever launched into space. Uh, why don't you bring up the audio on the TV and we'll we'll listen to the actual lift. Boy, that here. Blue Origin rocket is awfully phallic. I mean, all ra- rockets are somewhat phallic, but that one's just unembarrassingly phallic. Here we go. Nine, eight, seven, 
Wait a minute. This just handed to me. William Shatner is a Canadian. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a Canadian old man about to be blasted into space. So far, so good. And William Shatner has deposited an alien life form in his pants. Oh, oh boy. She is on her space with the second human space flight crew. Well, he's 90. What a launch. We are on our way to Maxcube, the first milestone here well, you know on you. his flight to space. You're right. Like, that is a particularly phallic rocket, even by rocket standards. Tell you what, I, I'm as nervous as I've been since they were fighting that weird sparkly cloud that, did, that <laughs> ate the red shirts. <laughs> you can follow along, obviously, with the altimeter at the base of the screen, as well as the speedometer. They are gaining speed on their climb to space. We have confirmed Max-Q. This is when the, ma- the, the aerodynamic stresses on the vehicle were at their maximum. Oh, no. She's breaking apart, Captain. Scotty, I need more power. There it is. The flying penis has reached an altitude of 30,000 feet. I'm supposed to grow up? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, are we going to hear from William Shatner? Do you have any ideas he mic'd up and going to talk about this? Or? They're probably still in the grunting and uh, uh, phase of the G-forces at this point. Having just passed the max G stage, as she was describing Yes, Michael. We have audio of Shatner. Okay, here we go. Audio Shatner from the spaceship. I think it's going to be a long, long time. To touch town, bring me around again and find I'm not the man they think I am. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. (laughs) Okay. I don't think that's real. Rocket man. That a fairly cheesy live version of his smash hit from the album I Shatner. If we can get the original version, it's every bit as terrible, but in a different way. Man, that so, thing is hauling Shatner. It's at 130,000 <laughs> feet in the time it took to play that idiotic clip. <laughs> that was clever. Um, so it's one of your Jeffrey Bezos Blue Origin uh, capsules. So is it just going up and coming right back down like when Jeffrey Bezos did that a month or so ago? Yeah, the brushing up against space, uh, the weightlessness, et cetera, then coming back quickly. I don't know for sure, but that seems to be what they do. Uh, we'll keep an eye. It's up to uh, 220,000 feet. I'll tell you what. when you're. 90, I don't know how many kilometers that is because I'm a damn American. When you're 90, the, the ability to just walk to the capsule and get in it is pretty impressive. Well, you're alive. That's a... Yeah, I watched him uh, stride in and, and squeeze into the capsule. It really is amazing how robust he is. Good for him. Hmm. Things moving at like 1,600 miles per hour. Woof. Yeah, cool experience to get. And, you know, uh, there are, there is space tourism now, but you got to pay millions of dollars to do it. I'm sure Shatner got to do it just for uh, for shiggles, as they say. Yeah, they're at zero Gs. They're at over 300,000 feet. Okay, it's still the gal uh, jabbering. All right. I was hoping for Bill to make a statement. Priceline.com. I can see it from here, and you should, too. <laughs> so, he, hasn't, he hasn't endorsed that for ages, though. <clears throat> what's, what's he into now? Blue emu or some sort of muscle 
pain rub. I don't know. So what is the what is the reason for him being on the ship? Is this just a a publicity thing to draw more attention to the Blue Origin space capsules? Because he is in a bit of a battle with Elon Musk for uh, you know top of mind awareness. Yeah, I think it's a crazy fun idea to, to, to blast Captain Kirk into space for real. I think that's the long and short. Three hundred fifty thousand feet. Oh, but oh, oh! But the speed is 70, 60, 50, 40, 30 miles per hour, and now it's stopped, and now it's coming back down. So it reaches apogee at zero miles per hour and starts to fall. Correct. It hit 351,185 feet above sea level, and it is now coming back down. Hmm. That's Going gotta... up exciting. Coming down really exciting. I wonder how much you feel that. Does it feel like a roller coaster sort of thing where it's like, oh, boy, here we go? Or or do you not really feel it that much? Gosh, I got to think you would. Although if all of your organs are weightless, I don't know. All of my organs? <laughs> yes, all of them. Well, wait a minute. They've frozen the uh, the countdown. Would Bill Shatner be weightless? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't. Don't. I won't have it. More idiotic fat shaming. Man's 90. Oh, where do I sign to be as in good shape as him at age 90? No kidding. Please don't blast me into space, though. <laughs> Hairpiece on the guy? Or plugs? Uh, yeah, I th- yeah, I think one or the other. I think. But as one of our space heroes, Jack, I don't think we ought to be questioning that. It's not the right moment. So Elon Musk is going to put Sulu in space now, I suppose? First, the oldest gay man to be shot into space? (laughs) Probably, as far as I know. Let me flip through my files on old gay men shot into space. It's, uh, yep, he would be, indeed. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a breakthrough moment for gay Asian fake astronauts? Do you guys want to hear more Rocket Man? Sure, sure, go ahead. Oh, it's, uh, that album's hilarious. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. No, this is this is the, the idiotic live version. No, no I don't. I we won't have it. The original album version is what's famous for throughout history. We don't have that anywhere. It's got to be available somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, come on. No, no, no. I mean, if I want to hear Stairway to Heaven, I don't want to hear, you know, one day in 1988 when Robert Plant was sitting on a stool at a karaoke bar and warbled it along with the stereo. I want to hear freaking Led Zeppelin 4. Um, I, I had to remind myself at one point this morning, and uh, it's obvious that uh, William Shatner, the actor, has really no more connection to space or knowledge about space travel or insight or anything like that than I do. Or your Uncle Jed, or anyone. I mean, it's just, he's, you know, he was an actor who was in a show about space for a couple of years, 50 years ago. That's really his only tie to the whole thing. The whole thing. You know, if he's not in his, his chair in the capsule, throwing himself back and forth <laughs> like they're being attacked, he's a fool. <laughs> Come on, Bill, do it for us. <laughs> yeah, that's the video you need where he's like, oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. So well, uh, the thing is descending. It's getting it's getting pretty low. It's under complete control. All right, pipe down, darling. But it's supposed to be. Yeah, there's okay. it's firing the retro rocks. It, it, it's stabilizing. It's, it wobbled there for a while, but now it's straightened up. Its landing gear is out. Well, I'll tell you what, when it lands, I assume they're going to do some interviews with him, and we'll bring, that, uh, we'll bring a little of that to you when that happens for hour and three. And we have touchdown. Captain Kirk safely back on Earth. That ha- that the whole, that is the whole thing. It's over already. That's it. That's what wow. my wife says frequently. 
<laughs> that uh, that is a pretty short little deal. Yeah. In one segment of our show, it blasted off. Seven minutes and 26 seconds. We had our allegedly witty commentary, and then it's back on the ground already. Right. Okay. Wow. Boy, boy that's the 21st century for you. No kidding. Huh. Well, well, on to something else. Um, it's not like uh, detention spans aren't challenged at all. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have uh, a microphone in William Shatner's face, and we'll hear about that. Um, the annual New Year's Eve firework display over the River Thames in London has been canceled for a second year because of COVID. What? Yep, it's not outdoors, you ninny English people. Up to 100,000 people usually attend the event, which is broadcast around the world. Have they made an announcement on Times Square in New York yet? Uh, well, that they're canceled or not? I don't know. Haven't heard. But so for the second year in a row, the confusion for some people is they regularly have sold out soccer games with over 90,000 people in attendance, like every week. Ah, so, wait a minute. So why not the fireworks show on New Year's Eve? You know, I was uh, once again premature, as it, it or that was the uh, the rocket booster that that set down uh, successfully. The crew capsule is even now falling uh, under its parachutes, which are billowing billowingly and looking fine. So, Bill Shatner, not yet safe on Earth. I apologize for the erroneous report previously. Gotcha. Um, is Uhuru Uhura still kicking? Jeanette Nichols, is that right? I, I don't know. What a lovely gal. I do not know that. Uh, we got to tell you about the inflation <laughs> if you haven't heard the news of the day. That's... How about Chekhov? How's he doing? <laughs> don't know that either. Uh, all that on the way. If you miss an hour, go to the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.